0: Good evening and welcome to episode 14 of the Thundering Herds Sports Podcast. Now, we missed last week because we were on vacation. Also because we were lazy when we got home, we didn't do it. But anyway, so we've got extra stuff to add this week. Now, one of the most amazing things happened this last week. And we love it because baseball has been very, very good to me. I love baseball, and the Field of Dreams, not only the whole presentation, but the way the game ended was amazing, so we're going to go over that, we're going to talk a little bit about a gentleman named Luca, who decided he wants to stay in Dallas for a little while, and progress of the Dallas Cowboys, so let's start with, the, let's start with baseball. So, the Field of, Dream
1: games ha- Field of Dreams game happened last week between the New York Yankees and the Chicago White Sox, and uh, the game was started off by a little Jose Abreu home run, and then it was just back and forth from then on. That was probably one of the best baseball games we're going to see all year, and then uh, Giancarlo Stanton puts the Yankees ahead in the top of the ninth when the White Sox had a Three or two run lead going to the ninth. And uh, Tim Anderson said, I'm not going to let Giancarlo Stanton win this game. And he called game. Tim Anderson, walk off two run home run, win the game. Pretty clutch. Tim Anderson's very good hitter. Very good hitter. Took that one opposite field. Ooh, and that sound off the bat was divine. It was divine. That was such a good game.
0: Blah, 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 blah. The game completely irrelevant. What I do th- you
1: mean? It was probably one of the it was probably the best game in the season so far.
0: Okay, the game itself could have been played in any stadium, anywhere in the major leagues. But the fact it was the first major league game ever played in Iowa. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The anniversary of the movie, The Field of Dreams, and watching the players. After Kevin Costner comes walking out of the cornfield and just stands there, and you could tell he was full of emotion. I don't think he was acting. I think it really got him verklempt. He was teary-eyed and emotional. And when he turned around and those Major League ballplayers walked out of the corn with those replica jerseys from 1919, Yankees and the White Sox, I got a little emotional. I actually watched it and I was like, holy crap, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I hope this isn't a one and done. No, they're going back next year if I to <clears throat> I hope that they do this every single year with two teams. I don't want to see the Seattle Mariners there. I don't want to see the Tampa Rays there. Because they don't have any history. I want to see Cardinals. I want to see Cubs. I want to see Dodgers and Giants. I want to see the historic teams of baseball that go all the way back to the beginning of the game playing one another in this particular venue mm-hmm. just because it was freaking amazing. It, it, it exemplified everything I love about the game of baseball. And then the way it finished, it was a classic game because of where it was played, mm. in my opinion, the very next night or two nights later, some, some kid for the Arizona Diamondbacks has his first start and which throws a, a and f- throws f- a no-hitter, <laughs> which is amazing, which means you never know what you're going to see in a ballpark any given night. Baseball gives. Baseball delivers, in my opinion, and always have. But for those true dyed-in-the-wool Love baseball, grew up baseball, played baseball, loved it as the greatest game on the planet. That that was amazing to me. I could not believe the presentation of that game. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I just wish uh I wish there weren't fences though. I wish it was just the cornfields. I think that would have been more fun. But uh yeah, ball just goes back into the cornfields. Like if it went in there on the fly, it's a home run, if it bounces in, it's a it's a double. I think they should have done something like that. I think it would have been cooler. But uh you said the next topic we're gonna talk about is Luka Doncic, who just received a probably I think it's the biggest rookie extension in the history of basketball. Um he does have a fifth year opt out, but Signing such a big contract out of a rookie deal means he's probably not going to want to leave anytime soon. So, I'm very he, excited when, for him. And
0: when he comes up, the only team the team that's going to be able to sign him, re-sign him for the most money is us. So, <clears throat> from here on out, we've, we've got the negotiating tool of always being able to offer him the most money. Now, what they have to do is this Nike exec that has come in to be the general manager and... Jason Kidd with his his credit, his chips on the wall, his cachet, everything that he's ever done in, in basketball. A lot of these guys know who he is and watched him play him when they were little kids. They have got to start bringing in pieces to surround Luca. Mm. Next year is going to be pivotal. I don't know who's available, who they can bring in, but they've got to go out and get a big-time number two.
1: I remember a couple of episodes ago, you talked about Damian Lillard and the possibility of him coming here. But uh, he has denied all trade and release negotiations in, uh, in a press conference, so I don't think that's going to happen. I have no idea who there is any possibility of anybody coming here. I have no idea. I haven't really given it much thought, and I haven't really looked at it, but I don't know. I don't feel like the Dallas Mavericks are very good at anything like that. They usually bring somebody back that wants played there, and then like Tyson Chandler or something like that, but yeah, I don't really, I don't think they're going to make a big move. This
0: is a different animal. This is not, he is not Dirk. He does way more than Dirk. He is developing into a more complete player than than Dirk. It was Luca and ten other guys that made it to the the bronze medal game in the Olympics. That shouldn't wasn't a, shouldn't <clears>
1: have <throat> Freaking, I'm still pissed that the USA won
0: the gold medal,
1: even though they lost like three games. I am too.
0: That pissed me off. They, they were they were eleven deep. Everybody on that roster could play. It took them a while to get together. Luca was it. They went
1: like eighteen and one under Luca for his first time ever playing
0: in both the Olympics. And both, Olympic and both losses are by like less than five points. I mean, no, they only lost one game. No, they lost two. That's how they ended up playing on. That's how they ended up playing. France Oh, I four. thought they
1: only lost the one game going into. The no, game. they lost
0: two in a row oh. to com- to complete the Olympics. That's oh. how they ended up coming in fourth. But fourth highest finish that they've ever had. And you know what's going to happen? Luca is going to be that star in Slovenia that all the kids are going to mimic now. And there are kids that are 12, 13, 14 years old right now who want to be Luca, who are going to not play soccer, who are not going to play tennis, who are not going to play rugby. They are going to want to play basketball and he's going to be the ambassador and they're going to bring the level of that sport up in that country. I wouldn't be surprised in 4 years from well 3 years because the olympics got pushed back a year the next time the summer olympics convene they win a medal if luka plays i think they got a, you got a shot so you look at what happened there the international player is becoming a huger part of the nba who do you want to play with you want to play with chris paul you want to play with luka doncic if you're a free agent now, who do you want to play with? I don't know. I think Luca is going to be a huge draw. There's go- we're gonna sign somebody, not this year. We're pretty much reloading with what we had. We changed coaching staff and general manager. <clears throat> we might pick up a player or two here. We had a couple of little trades. I'll we'll have to see how those guys work out. But next year, I think we're gonna sign somebody. He's gotta have a he's gotta have a Robin to his Batman. He's got to. He's got <clears> to. <throat> hardaway can be that number three. Yeah. And I think I think that they'll be a serious contender.
1: Playoff Hardaway was a number two, man. He was... <clears throat>
0: yeah, but... But you know, he's not consistent, no, so... No, no. He's a, he's a good three-point shooter, and I think they added some pieces. I think they've got a, a bunch of fours and fives right now. A bunch of guys that... And they're deeper on the bench... And if they could end up, Kristaps just sucks. I'm tired of him. I'd like to see him go get Dragic, his the brother
1: on Dragic.
0: Yes, mm. I'd like to see him come in as the backup point guard, be the six man off the bench. I think that they would have something there. Wouldn't be as big a drop off. Now I love the little man that they have there right now, but I think they could they could step that position mm. up. <clears throat> the backup point guard, the little guy.
1: Jalen Brunson? Yeah, I love him. I think he's a yeah, good player. Yeah, I think he's
0: a. I think <clears throat> he's a starter.
1: I think he's a very good playmaker. But I, I don't know, man.
0: We got to figure something out there. They do. They're gonna. Have to, they're gonna have to go out and get some more front front line players. Yeah. <clears throat> they've got to upgrade. They've got to upgrade the backside of their roster a little bit and get mm-hmm. some more depth. Now, you know, you've got the, you've got the. The seven foot, two, yeah, Mister Goldfish. You know, sticks his hand through the bottom of the bag. Those commercials are hilarious, <laughs> and he is a useful piece. He saw too much time in the playoffs. I don't know what was going on there. Why they didn't play? <coughs> why they didn't play the the kid? Who is it? Yeah, Powell. Why they didn't play Powell more with him being more athletic? I would have liked to have seen him play. But anyway,
1: <coughs> I don't know. I thought Moriana <coughs> played a very good defense in that series. I don't think. His play had anything to do with it. He really clogged up the the paint. He, he made because that's then, where they were scoring. That's where they were scoring was in the paint, and that's what they needed. They need p- defense in the. paint. And then they started hitting threes. And then they started hitting threes, and that's how we lost.
0: That, that's when the series turned. Is when they because at the beginning
1: threes. of the series they couldn't make any threes at all. Paul George played like crap until like game four. No. But you know, okay. So I think the next topic you said is the Dallas Cowboys who have lost their first two preseason games, but... They've been
0: competitive in both.
1: They have. The thing about preseason is last year... I mean, maybe... It might have been two years ago when the Dolphins were really bad and the Browns were really bad. I'm pretty sure that they both went 4-0 and in preseason and they bought they probably won like a three combined games oh, in the, the regular the season. The worst one in so history. I don't there. think the freaking... <clears throat> Preseason matters. Back. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so, from from what I've seen out of the backup running back because they haven't played, they haven't played Pollard barely at all. They play him for probably the first drive, and that's it. I don't remember either of their names, but they played very well no, in this last game. Number thirty-seven, I think. Yeah, that was Knox. And he couldn't get brought. He couldn't be brought down on that one play.
0: Yeah, and Dowdle was Rico Dowdle. Mean? Yeah, he's good too. I think both those guys can be backup running backs on the roster and play special teams. You
1: know what I've seen out of a <clears throat> second year player that's really impressed me is uh Alana Lua. He's a halfback slash fullback. You know how we know him? He was a TCU Horned, horned. horned Frog, and. Uh, he already has a star on the helmet, as I've seen on Hard Knocks from HBO. So, uh, his blocking on passing plays, when a player gets in the backfield, is very good because he's a big body, and he's not too slow. So, when you give him that ball, he'll run over somebody and he'll break a 25-yard run. So I you- think I think he's a person that you have to have on your roster. Do you
0: keep him as an H-back slash fullback?
1: Yeah, absolutely you got to keep them on the roster. They don't need three tight ends.
0: Well, I think they're actually going to keep three at least and maybe a fourth one for special teams.
1: I think Saewo
0: <laughs> Lua is
1: a, is a very good person to have. And then there was... Who's the corner? Number 40, who's been playing really well the with... The kid from Oregon State. Uh, Deshaun Wright, is that his name? So, is, something Wright. Something like that. Um, We know him because his brother... Was on um, last chance, U. last chance you, last chance you, um, and in that, the third season. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Team from California. Team from California, and uh, that's his brother. They both ended up going to Oregon State, and we ended up drafting him this year. I think his name is Naishon Wright or something like that.
0: Dude, and, he, uh, his brother, who's on the team right now, he's tall. He's, he's like tall 6'1", 6'2". He,
1: he has done nothing but clamp wide receivers from what I've seen. The only play that he got beat was when Claypool pushed him into the dirt. For yeah. that. <laughs> like, you can't do on. anything about that. Of course they're not going to call it. It's preseason. And then Claypool got hurt, which, karma, you know. <laughs> hey, we've,
0: only, we've only scored one touchdown in preseason, and it was a Ben DiNucci sighting. Ben DiNucci, DiNucci, one, man. <laughs> one yard TD pass by DiNucci. Oh, my God. I mean, are we tearing it up right now?
1: Absolutely. Or what? I just, like, I love Michael Parsons. He's all over the field. If he has an opportunity at a tackle, I don't think I've seen him miss one. So, yeah, <laughs> and, and he's like, he's like really other, funny on hard knocks. <laughs> he's really funny. I
0: like the other kid too. The other linebacker that they got it was North to- no, it was North Dakota oh, State. No, was it North Dakota State? He went to LSU. Here at LSU
1: for his last season. I don't remember his name, but yeah, he's pretty good. He's like number forty-eight or something like that. But a player that I the the linebackers. Except for them, Vanderesh, I'm tired of him. And Jalen Smith, he's from when I've seen him play, he's getting beat on every passing play. He's not <clears throat> clogging up the. He's not. He's not going into his gap on running plays. I just feel like Micah Parsons has been in training camp for four weeks and he's already better than Jalen Smith. He's
0: everywhere. He. It's just like he wants to be out there. He, he's around the ball for almost every tackle. Exactly. He, he is getting into the backfield. They're setting up the linebacker. They're moving him to D-end. They're moving him. They're, they're having him uh, follow the back out of the backfield, cover the tight end. He is showing unbelievable athleticism. And on the hard knocks last week, <clears throat> there were a couple players on the, the field that were like, man, that boy's fast. I mean, he is already playing, and they talk about the adjustment from going from Division I college to the pros, that the game is fast and it takes a while for you to catch up. He's already playing at NFL speed. I don't know what this – he sat out last year at Penn State, didn't he? Yeah. He had an injury. I don't know what this kid is doing or or if he's just one of that that special breed who's just – Blessed by the gods to be an NFL talent, but he's, he's amazing.
1: It also has to do with the fact that I mean, <clears throat> he's happy to be here. He said he, like, more than anything, wanted to be a cowboy. So I think the fact that he's excited to play here and he ha- he's craving football because he missed his senior year <clears throat> or the year that he had to sit out. Just means that he wants to play more and he wants to play harder so he I, I, I so he gets to play. I can't you know?
0: wait to see when we've got Randy Gregory on one end, DeMarcus Lawrence on the other end, and Parsons blitzing up the middle. What the hell's a quarterback gonna do? I don't know. I mean, they're gonna be on these guys. And then we've Randy, got the guys. Randy Gregory is an absolute unit. He's huge. And and, and he's fresh. Think about how many years he's been in the league, but how little he's actually played. Yeah, because he's already <laughs> suspended. <laughs> because of drugs, but I think he's cleaned his act up. I think he's gotten mature. I think he's figured it out. And from what I have heard from listening listening to the, the guys that were out at training camp at the ticket, he is getting off the ball so quick. And he has worked with Demarcus Lawrence and Leon Lett during this past offseason season. And added some extra moves with his, with positioning of his hands and, and getting the angle to get low and get around the, the blockers. He is getting penetration, he is getting into that backfield, and he's unblockable right now. And we haven't seen it yet because he hasn't played in a preseason game, but they are talking about he has just exploded on the scene in training camp.
1: I... I want Keanu Neal to make a difference on this defense. He was all over the place the other night. He was. He forced a fumble. He pretty sure he recovered it, too. Um, But I need him and Demonte KZ, I think his name is. The new players that we got from the Falcons, they're both safeties. I guess Keanu Neal became a linebacker because he's a little older, so he's not as fast. But I really need these new players to make a difference. Last year, I know that we changed defensive scheme, (coughs) and we never fully understood it throughout the entire season. We didn't have training camp. We didn't have training camp. What were we supposed to do? Implement a really complex The year before, our defense was, I'm pretty sure it was like 10th or 11th or something like that. Right. And we had had those players, the same Hmm. players that we had last year, except for Byron Jones, who was a very good corner. But... This year, we have more players than we had last year, which were the same players as the year before when our defense was good, and we're back to the same defensive scheme as we were two years ago. So I believe that this defense is going to be at least where they were two years ago, if not better, because they have more players. So I, I, just, I just want this defense to be as good as it was two years ago.
0: It looked faster. It looked faster and more disciplined. Like we talked about it several times during the broadcast that just the over-pursuit and being out of position last year, some of those six and seven and eight-yard plays would have been 25, 30, 40-yarder touchdown plays because they just didn't seem like they were free the way that they were playing. They were thinking about everything they were doing. <clears throat> what I did notice on the broadcast the other night was the fact that the younger players are in there right now, and they're running full speed. They're trying to get to their positions, but they're overrunning the play. I think a lot of that stuff gets removed when you get the veterans in there and we get the established defense where they understand keeping the edges and, and staying in your gaps and all that. I'm wondering if this defense can end up being – a top 12 to 15 defense in the league. If that happens, with the weapons that we have on offense, there's no reason why the Cowboys can't go 5-1 and one in this division. If they go 5-1 and in this division, they're going to win 9 or 10 games. They'll win the division going away, <clears throat> and they'll be in the playoffs. That, that's the hope. But for them, for this season, it all comes down to one thing, and that's the defensive side of the ball.
1: If the defense plays as I expect them to, I expect eleven wins. Okay. I expect eleven, maybe ten. Well there's seventeen
0: the, games, so eleven was eleven and six is interesting. Okay.
1: <coughs> but if the defense plays like they did three years ago when we went thirteen and three, pretty sure that was three, maybe four years ago. I expect maybe Twelve wins. But if they play like last year, with how terrible it was last year, I say they only win seven
0: games. You would have to be putting up four hundred yards passing. You would have to have a hundred yards in the running game. You know, you'd have to put up forty five points. That, something to hope that to win.
1: something that I heard is the best teams can run the football when the other team knows oh, they you're yeah. running the football. Our offense, like it was last year before Dak got hurt, Dak was throwing for like 480 yards a game.
0: It was insane what he was doing.
1: But that's not our offense. That's not a good team's offense. No, no, no. A good quarterback throws for 300 yards a game, but they also rush for 170 yards a
0: game. <clears throat> when did we have success when when Dak was the rookie quarterback we had we had Zeke running for, s- for 1600 yards a season and he's scoring 15 touchdowns and he's catching screen passes out of the backfield <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with the vertical passing game
1: i think the problem <clears throat> is is they're trying to be too unpredictable Why not be predictable, but just execute? That's what you need to do.
0: How many yards a game did did Troy Aikman throw for when he won three Super Bowls?
1: Probably not many.
0: About 230 to 240 yards a game is what he threw for. He probably only threw 25 or 30 passes. I think his biggest season, maybe he threw for like 25 touchdown passes. You know, all this, these numbers are hypothetical. I, I'd, I'd have to look all this stuff up. But they were not astronomical numbers. He wasn't putting up Dan Marino stats. Didn't have to. Why? Because he had Emmett Smith rushing for between fifteen and 1,800 yards and scoring 25 and 30 touchdowns a year. And I guarantee... The Cowboys ran the ball on first down more than 60% of the time. And you knew it was going to be first down, handed off to Emmitt. They couldn't stop it because we had the most impressive offensive line in all of football at that time. We, we, we could stand there and Larry Allen could look across the line of scrimmage at his guy and Stepnowski next to him. and He could go, hey, you. I'm coming right at you, and Emick's coming right behind me. And ain't a damn thing you can do about it. I'll even tell you where Emick's going to be. He's going to be off this shoulder, and I'm going to block you this way, and he's going right through that hole. It wouldn't have made any difference because they executed it so well. If you go back to the Green Bay Packers when they won all those championships in the 60s, you knew exactly what they were doing. Short passing game, control the clock run the football, and beat the crap out of young defense. That's how they won. But you, I guarantee every one of these teams knew, based upon the formation, where the Cowboys were going to run the football with Emmitt Smith, and they couldn't stop it. And when we were really good, when Zeke first came into the league, they knew we were running the football, and they couldn't stop it. We've got to get back to that. This offensive line has a chance to be, if everybody stays semi-healthy and does a decent job, we've got some horses up there that can block and create holes. And if you can get into a second and four situation, you got Ceedee Lamb. You've got, you've got all these weapons at your disposal. You've, you've got short passing game, mid-range passing game, and deep passing game. And then you've got wide receivers out of the back. I mean, runner backs out of the, out of the backfield. And the tight ends all catch the football on this team. Who are you going to defend on second and four? If we can get the running game going, defense's heads are going to be on a swivel. Are they going to be looking for it to go to Zeke again? are we going to go over the top? I mean... The, the possibilities are endless. This offense could be unbelievable. It could be record-setting, but it has to have balance. We haven't had balance. Yeah. We couldn't trust Zeke last year because he put the ball on the ground too often.
1: And we couldn't trust Andy because he didn't play that well.
0: Yeah, but Andy didn't have an offensive line. Yeah. Who was left? We didn't have anybody We had, any had anybody Lyle, Lyle Collins was gone. Tyron
1: Smith Tyron was, was gone. Tyron Smith was gone. Travis Frederick retired. Yeah. Zach Martin hurt. The and, uh, only person we had the entire year was Connor Williams, and he sucks. And he got hurt, too. No. Yeah, he didn't play all 16 games. Yes, he did. He was the only one that played all 16 right, games.
0: Right, We're on So, uh... Oh, we had Steel. He did a great oh, job. Oh, he for. was probably <laughs> the
1: worst offensive lineman in the history of
0: football. He, he was a screen door. Absolutely. Pushed on him and flung open. That's the
1: quarterback. You want to want to go sack him? (laughs) Okay. So this has been a long one. I think we got to end off end off episode fourteen right here. Uh, We'll see you next week for episode fifteen of the Thundering Heads podcast.